Hi, welcome to the Honest to Goodness podcast. I'm Janet Jacks, the founder of Goodness Me Natural Food Markets and the author of Discover the Power of Food. And I'm her daughter, Emily, a healthy mom and food lover seeking balance in this crazy life. Here at Honest to Goodness, Emily and I want to share and explore our own experiences with wellness and give you a glimpse into our lives and the challenges we face as we try to live as healthy as possible. And today's a special day because this podcast as we know it will be ending, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see us with something new and fresh coming up soon, but we will miss doing this. And mom, we were just talking about how we'll have to continue getting together and just having like a long day together because we're often together because of something or I need help with something or we're, you know, it's a celebration, but it's just been nice to just be and, you know, do work, but then also just kind of hang out. So we'll have to do that. But what I thought would be kind of fun is to talk about some of our favorite past episodes because we've done 73 episodes, which is amazing. And it's been fun and we've touched on a lot of things, but we definitely have, I at least have some favorites. And when I look back, I think of episode number 34, one of the topics is picky eaters. And I never get tired of hearing your perspective, mom, on picky eaters and what you would do because for some reason, even though I've heard it a million times, it's always refreshing and helpful. So I love that one. It's something I love to talk about, even though my kids are grown. So I'm glad you love that because it is such an important topic for all of us who are feeding kids today and maybe adults too. I really liked episode 20 when we talked about making calcium safer because calcium was such a popular supplement. And then there was all these warnings about its risk of increasing heart disease. And so just getting balanced to that conversation and I think worth visiting over and over. And so we hope that you'll go back and listen again to some of the podcasts that we've done where there's some great topics and important things to remember. More recently, I really enjoyed reading that article on the woman who was a vegetarian and then decided that she's not going to label herself as that, but she's going to label herself as an ethical eater. And I that really resonated with me that she was just looking for an ethical way to eat. And what that included wasn't going to limit her to a vegan or a vegetarian diet, but she was going to even consider vegan and vegetarian foods. Are these ethical? And then consider meats. Are these ethical that she's eating? So that was very compelling for me and motivating and really shifted the way I thought about food. And I love episode 27. I'm reminded of us discussing climate change and the way it's affecting the nutrients in food and especially the most at-risk populations for getting sufficient nutrients. With all the talk about climate change and how it's affecting, you know, floods and storms and farming, we haven't thought about how it's affecting the soil. So I thought that was an interesting... That was interesting. I I forgot about that and how it was depleting nutrients. That was just fascinating for sure. And I think we both could agree that we were compelled, but also it was really fun to talk about food waste, which I believe was episode number 42, if you want to go back to it. And I know that you have like really taken that on as a challenge, which has really impressed me. So this whole radish tops that you were talking about last episode here, you're eating, you know, the tops of radishes, the stems of kale, like all the little bits and pieces, cauliflower leaves, like things people do not think of as food really they think of as garbage so that's really cool and I've actually eaten some of these things without even realizing so hey 
and I'm still here. I'm good. <laughs> and, you know, and they taste great. It's just things that we haven't been used to eating. And I think about how these other parts of plants will have different antioxidant components than the regular part we usually eat. So that also encourages us to have a broad spectrum of protection in our body. I loved when we talked in episode 25 about relieving pain with food because one of the most surprising things that I have seen is as people understand how they're eating themselves into pain, they can also understand how to eat themselves out of pain, either maybe not necessarily uh, removing it completely, but certainly reducing pain and in many cases removing pain. And it's such a surprise to them and such a wonderful relief. So that episode is worth revisiting. And I think we should move to our topic, which is I think one of our favorite vitamins, mom, vitamin N. Vitamin N. (laughs) Nature. Nature, that's right. You know, a few years ago, Dr. Alan Logan, naturopath, wrote a book about, you know, showing the evidence for the deficit of nature and the fact that this has detrimental effects on us. And I was reminded of that because of the fact a new study came out just a couple of weeks ago, published in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health. And it was a questionnaire type of study of somewhere over 3,500 people who were adults from 18 to 75 years old and and trying to find a link between their exposure to nature in childhood and their mental health today and although it is you know only 3500 people it is 3500 people and seeing with all of the interest we have in what's happening to mental health issues today seeing that there is a link to exposing our children during childhood to nature can have lifelong benefits, not just during their childhood, but into their adulthood. So I thought that was an interesting association. Exactly. It's an association. And I know that that doesn't mean there's this, you know, they haven't followed children who have been exposed to this many hours for their whole lifetime. They haven't done a study like that. But we can all understand and appreciate the benefits of being in nature. And so it is again, compelling. And I think of it and it makes me kind of want to just like run and, you know, move somewhere really rural, but that has its own consequences, of course. But I was thinking about this week with the warmer weather. I've had a couple experiences where I thought, you know, this day was just nice or, you know, my kids just seem happy. And I was thinking about the one day this week, and I guess it would have been last week because of when this is playing, but my son and I were home and he's, you know, really ready for school, but he's not going till September. And I was deciding to like do some outdoor stuff and just be outside in the front and the back. And we don't have a big yard at all, but we do have a yard. So I'm fortunate. And he was just kind of playing front, back, all around. Half the time, I don't know what he was doing kind of in his own world, which is a dream of every parent. (laughs) Like, just go play, just go, you know, be. But I was just thinking like the harmony of that was partly because we were both outside. We were able to be outside. Things are lush right now. And the temperature's not sweltering, so we can be outside for an extended period. And how we just both had a really, really, really good day. And he wasn't necessarily like being super, super active. So it wasn't just about, you know, being active, but he was just outside. And then another thing is my daughter, she's always interested in nature and looking at bugs and stuff. So she'll spend, honestly, half an hour, 45 minutes or more just crouch down, looking in the garden, looking at the plants, finding snails, 
one night it was, you know, she had kind of got her pajamas on, but then she went out front and found a whole bunch of snails and she started taking them all out of the garden and putting them on our porch and she was watching them and it had rained. So they were, you know, moving all around and she was just watching them for so, so long, basically until I had to say, come on in, you got to go to bed now. And I love how that just makes them feel peaceful and regulated. So how can we not agree that, you know, we need this? And I'm excited when studies come out, of course, because it's always more motivating or you think, how will this catch on to the the general public as well. Speaking of snails, I remember when you and your younger sister had a business of selling snails. I don't think you found (laughs) any customers except your future brother-in-law did cough up a little bit of money and bought some of your snails. But you know, you had a lot of fun with it. But I also was thinking about the message we're giving our kids today. I don't know about at your daughter's school, but I do my morning walks with a, a school teacher of one of the primary grades. And, you know, the kids can't go outside when it's too cold. And they can't go outside if it's a little misty rain. And, and they can't run on the grass if there's a bit of mud in the playground. And, you know, the, the, if it's really, really hot, they can't go outside. What are we saying to the kids? And, and I know that this pressure is coming from parents who are worried about different things. But what are we saying to our whole generation of kids about being outside there's dangers out there and we're keeping them in the classroom all day and I don't know does that happen at your daughter's yeah it school? does I, I actually instead of going on oh why don't you go out or whatever ranting to my daughter I instead I'll just ask her things like oh like were you able to go out today because it was raining on and off and she'll say oh we had to stay in for one recess or whatnot and I'll say oh isn't that so so funny like it's just rain and so we kind of have this conversation like oh yeah it's just rain like why can't we go out and I'll just say oh that is a little weird maybe they'll change that but it it is I've thought of that it it is problematic because I think when I think of the benefits I mean to be honest she's going outside there's no really green space it's just a concrete pad but still being outside is better yes I think that we need to try to get outside every day And sometimes we don't in the bitter winter or the ice storm. So we got to make up that lost time. You know, it's interesting that evidence shows that even 20 minutes outside together, say having a little walk at the local park, can strengthen parent-child bonds, can help to develop family cohesion. And so I think that there's more benefits than just fresh air and sunshine. There's there's much more. And I do think that, you know, what's going on inside us, calming us down, calming our kids down, there's something great. And I love that the David Suzuki Foundation has started the One Nature Challenge. And we're going to link this up on our podcast notes so you can find it there and you could sign up. And basically encouraging people to have 30 minutes a day outside for 30 consecutive days because we know that a new habit can be formed in 21 days or more. And so trying to get the outdoor habit. And sometimes, you know, it's just it's not that inviting. We're waiting for that perfect weather to go outside. And really, in a whole year, how many of those perfect days do we get? We need to, you know, get out there. It's one of the benefits of my morning walk is that I have a commitment to meet somebody to get up and go. If it's raining, not raining, if it's windy, if it's cold, whatever, we just go. And, you know, adding a daily dose of nature to your routine is the goal. And I remember working, I was thinking back 
to working inside. And right now, you know, I'm off, uh, technically off on maternity leave still. And, you know, it's easier to get out and to take advantage of nature. But I remember finding a way and it wasn't necessarily like, oh, I need to get into nature because I've heard it's good. It's like I almost needed it. And I'm, you know, my nature, I can get overwhelmed my brain gets overwhelmed. And I think that I just knew that if I could take a lunch break outside, that things would just calm in my body. So I, I would find the nearest green space. I would walk. I just remember walking around the block in like a suburb area. And there was a school with like basically a field. And I would just sit, there was a couple trees and I would sit under the tree because it usually was quite hot. And I would just sit there for my half an hour and eat my meal. And I just felt so good. Even though I was on the side, like there was a road right there and a sidewalk right there. I would just sit by there. Yeah, in an urban environment, you I would seek still it out. Can. It was mm-hmm. like a necessary thing. And I think we all know that. We know that being, say, in a forest can raise our immune system and being in nature can raise our mood and lower our blood pressure and our stress levels. And I remember you said you read this book about trees and you'll never think of trees the same again and how they have this whole communication system and being in forests around trees like when you're you know it has this effect on you and probably that book what was it called again do you remember the language i don't remember was it the language of trees or no that's not no that's it was a, something I'm thinking. i'll have to think Anyways, of it it was about trees and it yeah. was about their whole system and yes it you know, was a, it was very interesting <laughs> and i find that i crave sunshine i crave getting out in the sun i just like makes me feel so good and i was reading one author who said you know our ancestors ate the sunshine. And I thought, oh, yeah, I just feel like I need a little dose of that. Another thing that surprised me was, and we have a link for this in our podcast notes as well, that a study was done, and Ming Kuo of the Department of Natural Resource and Environmental Science at the University of Illinois was involved in that, eight ways that being outdoors helps kids learn. And she said, we've always sort of felt that this is so, but she didn't know how much evidence there would be. And she was really surprised at the evidence that kids will learn better if they're outdoors. And so I think about keeping them in at recess and then trying to have math after recess, not so good. But just some of the areas that are discussed and that studies showed benefit in was in attention and attention being up and stress being down and self-discipline improving, including delayed gratification and less hyperactivity and more motivation, enjoyment and engagement, becoming more physically active and more interested in fitness, finding that it's a more supportive environment for learning that kids would have better self-control, they'd be able to remove themselves better from conflict, that there was more cooperation among the students, that it was a calmer, quieter, safer place for learning. So I started to think about when we were raising our family, when, when you were young, like what did we do to, you know, without thinking, oh, we've got to get outside every day, what were some of the things that we did to get out in nature? And so I was thinking that we used to go camping. And as a, as a child, I did as well. And we also went camping. And so you're really having to deal with the elements, whatever they bring. And you're really outside and finding ways to put in your day when you're traveling and camping. And then my parents had a very small cottage, just two bedrooms, and we would go there, of course, five kids. And so we would be mostly outside. 
because it was a very small cottage. So there was a big grassy area around it. And then, of course, the beach down the way and going for walks on the beach, even in the off-season. Well, we didn't go in the winter, but, you know, when it was cold or windy, we might go down to the beach and collect firewood. And we might make a campfire on the beach, things like that. We often went for hikes. And especially because our children are very spread out, you know, from the youngest to oldest is over 15 years. We always were looking for activities we could do as a family and hikes would work and we would go biking together as a family. And so we were outdoors a lot when we tried to find things to do together. So this article made me think about what did we actually do because I would have thought, oh no, I wasn't really focused on being outdoors, but yes, It made everybody happier, healthier, and it was activities we could do together. Or maybe go to the park and have a family baseball game in which the goal was to involve everybody, young to old. Any thoughts about, you know, in in your family? I mean, I think you are much more intentional about being outside than we were. And, you know, your oldest... Your oldest daughter, she's just loves nature so much. And so she's a motivating force to get outside as a family. I'm thinking about it and I think oh, it's so easy to get outside. Yet, you know, I'm still haven't figured out how to do it in those icy winter days. But I surely try to make up for it once the nicer weather comes. Even just proper gear so that you feel like prepared it's easy to send them out if they have boots and a coat that that's waterproof even for the mom like the mom needs a few things so that she can watch the kids outside playing or be outside with them and not feel soaking wet and miserable just to motivate you to get out but yeah we do lots of hikes or we look for like green spaces I love you know if I can, getting on a walk with the kids after dinner or before dinner, if there's a chance, or even just with one on one of them, one-on-one, going for a little walk around the park. And, you know, it, it, for these studies and what they've looked at, it doesn't have to be some rural green space. It can just be your local urban park, and that is enough. Or even a, a waterfront walkway where you're looking at water is also really awesome and can just improve your life in all sorts of senses. Even they've shown that these types of things can reduce the amount of pain meds people need and such. So yeah, I think we all want to be outside this time of year, but just motivating to be creative, to find ways even in a busy work day too. So let's leave it there and we'll be back with more of the Honest to Goodness podcast right after this. In our previous episode, number 72, Emily and I discussed the oft-forgotten but very real power of antioxidants to protect and balance the body. When you want to boost antioxidants, look to the power of nature and all the goodness it provides. And that includes the rich antioxidants found in medicinal mushrooms and in unique superfoods such as acai and goji. Canprev has developed an easy way to own this power in your daily life. Myco10 is a rich, robust, 100% plant-based powder that combines seven unique medicinal mushrooms with three whole food antioxidants. And this is the way to get the antioxidants that have been recognized as well as the ones that have yet to been discovered. Medicinal mushrooms are rich in immunomodulating beta-glucans, compounds that can mount a robust defense against pathogens. Mushrooms are scientifically recognized for their ability to nourish the body, to soothe sleep, and to adaptogenically balance stress. And then there's the whole food antioxidants like acai, acerola, and goji. 
These antioxidants are also added to mycotan to help protect cells against oxidative damage caused by free radicals. Mycotan is certified organic, natural, and GMO-free. It's made with sustainably grown medicinal mushrooms. Easy to enjoy with your morning coffee, in your post-workout shake, or simply mixed with water. Try it and daily enjoy the glow of Mycotan's nourishing power. You'll find Mycotan at Goodness Me Natural Food Market and online as well at www.goodnessme.ca. Welcome back to Honest to Goodness. In our second segment, we answer questions from our listener and op- listeners and offer some advice from our, our experience. What are our questions, Mum? So Charlotte asks, Hi, Janet and Emily. I love tea, but as the warm weather approaches, I don't enjoy drinking hot drinks as much. Any teas you could recommend that taste great over ice? I'm sure we'll both have different things. I'm excited to experiment with this vanilla honeybush tea that I have from Stash. It's just a rubus vanilla, essentially, but has a really, really good flavor. We've been enjoying it hot for a while, but I'm excited to try that out cold as well. I love making like green tea lemonade. So getting still that green tea benefit cold and adding a bit of lemon to it. And if you want to sweeten it with honey or stevia, it can be really refreshing as well. And then I have so much mint. Anyone who grows mint knows you can have so much mint. So I've decided I'm going to really use it this summer and maybe even dry some, figure out how to properly dry it so that it stays flavorful and so I can have peppermint tea in the winter but I'm definitely going to be making some cold mint teas so whether that just be pure mint that I'll cool down or mint lemonade which is also another classic or just like lemon and mint water which is also nice and refreshing too. That made me think about lemon balm because I don't have mint in my garden but I have lemon balm and it also can grow and grow and this is a very calming herb and it just has a hint of lemon flavor so I would like to add some a squeeze of lemon to that but I think my all-time favorite for a cold tea is hibiscus. This is is a bright red tea. It looks fantastic. It's very high in antioxidants and the kids really like it. And so I put two tablespoons of hibiscus, dried hibiscus flowers for a liter of water. I put half a liter of boiling water, let it steep for at least 10 minutes or even 20 minutes, 30, whatever time, and then add cold water. And I add 10 drops of stevia to that. You could put a little honey instead if you wish, but I find that the kids always gobble that up and really like it. I also like making oat straw tea all year round and oat straw tea could be made into lemonade so adding five tablespoons of lemon juice to a liter of water but the water has actually been steeped as oat straw because it's high in minerals and very calming and soothing and again 10 drops of stevia and in this one a pinch of salt so you could use the lemonade recipe that's in discover the power of food and just use oat straw tea rather than water And another one, I'm sorry, this is hot, not cold, that we started drinking, I think it was last summer or the summer before, in the heat of summer, making a potent fresh ginger tea. So slicing up fresh ginger root, pouring boiling water over that, adding just a touch of uh, lemon juice, no sweetener, and drinking that hot. And we found that to be an excellent tea in the middle of the summer. I'm not sure why, whether it makes you sweat more. (laughs) I'm not sure, but we started doing that and it was very popular. And we've been doing that ever since, but I was surprised that we'd be drinking that kind of warming hot tea 
in the middle of summer because you usually think of winter for that. And our other question is from Zoe. She says, hi, ladies. I have two growing boys who want to eat everything in their sight as of late. Any recommendations for healthy snacks I can make in bulk that will also fill them up? Thanks. I appreciate it. The perennial problem, when the kids start heading toward teen years, they just want to eat all the time. And, of course, we think about things like trail mix because it's very concentrated source of calories. The problem is that we, our brain doesn't know that we're full when we've eaten enough calories from something like that. But that uh, you can make a big batch of. I think about Sandy's Everything Cookies. So in her cookbook, Grain-Free Goodness, she has everything cookies where she's put all kinds of healthy ingredients and made them into substantial cookies that will last you a while. So you can make up a big batch of those. I find, as I mentioned, that I make soups all year round. So when somebody's hungry, if there's a pot of soup in the fridge, or I like to have, as one is diminishing, I like to make another one so there's some choice. That can be a really hearty, quick snack. Not a take-along snack, but something when kids come into the house after school, for example, or after playing outside. I need something. What about you? I'm sure that, you know, we're in very different places in this regard. Yeah, I do find that I, I'm i not in the place where they're starving all the time and they're they're older. So I think that that will come and I'll get more creative, I'm sure. I always have to have a little bit of pressure in order to get really creative. And I know muffins are like a go-to for me now. And I always try to make them a little bit healthier. So one of my favorite ones is, and I think I shared this on another episode, is an oatmeal based one so no flour you just use rolled oats and you stick it all in the blender so it's like a banana oatmeal so it's it's kind of like having baked oatmeal in a muffin format so it's a bit more like a muffin than baked oatmeal is but it still has that hardiness and it has you know the bananas and the eggs and very little anything sweet so it gives you a little more substance without just like a ton of sugar added healthy muffins are kind of my go-to and I think I'll probably continue experimenting with different recipes and making some that are maybe higher protein or like maybe thinking about oh suggesting that they put peanut butter on it or something to give it a little bit more stick to the ribs kind of I think you, you make me think of an important point and that is if we're if our kids are really hungry and we fill them up with a lot of carbs it fills their stomach but then it doesn't last whereas if we make it more protein and fat based it's going to last better and keeping that in mind, we want to keep the hunger at bay for a longer period of time. We need to focus on including plenty of those. Definitely. And good luck, Zoe, because I know feeding growing kids is a big challenge for a lot of parents. So, Mom, this is, as we said, our last as we know it podcast and so we won't be taking any new questions as of now but I'm sure if you do have any questions or things come to mind even looking back on past podcasts might answer some of those questions for you as those will always be still available but let's move on to our last segment what's for dinner mom you'll have the final meal of the podcast <laughs> I don't use these often but just adding variety to the diet are the shirataki noodles. These are high fiber, zero or low carbohydrate noodles. And I love to use these from time to time. And basically making a stir fry, I'll probably be using some leftover chicken and whatever seasonal vegetables I have. And then just rinse these noodles in strainer. When you open the package, there's always a little bit of an off smell that is part of the nature of it. 
the way that it's packaged. So you just rinse it until they are smelling fresh. And you just need to add them to the dish. And I'm going to season that up with... Like a uh, stir-fry noodle. Like a stir-fry noodle. That's right. They're already cooked. They're ready to go. And then I'm going to season that with toasted sesame oil as well as unrefined sesame oil and a little bit of brown rice vinegar, garlic, and tamari. And uh, that's a really good, can be a marinade or stir-fried sauce that is very versatile. And then I'll probably sprinkle a few sesame seeds on top just to give it a nice little bit of crunch mm. and nice look. So mm. that's going to be a one-dish yeah. one meal that I know we're going to enjoy. Nice. That sounds delicious. So thank you all for your encouragement and uh, for your enjoyment. We've heard lots of positive feedback from you as you've listened to the podcast and learned from it, telling us that you it makes you think, it makes you dig deeper, it, it encourages you to create your own solution to your own challenges for wellness. And we know that this repertoire of podcasts that we've done will be a resource for you for time to come. So we hope that you will look at them, listen, and also remember that every podcast has podcast notes with recipes, tips, links to different articles or studies, and that's a resource for you as well. So check those out, and we'll see you on our next adventure. So stay tuned for what that might be. In our previous episode, number 72, Emily and I discussed the oft-forgotten but very real power of antioxidants to protect and balance the body. When you want to boost antioxidants, look to the power of nature and all the goodness it provides. And that includes the rich antioxidants found in medicinal mushrooms and in unique superfoods such as acai and goji. Canprev has developed an easy way to own this power in your daily life. Myco10 is a rich, robust, 100% plant-based powder that combines seven unique medicinal mushrooms with three whole food antioxidants. And this is the way to get the antioxidants that have been recognized as well as the ones that have yet to been discovered. Medicinal mushrooms are rich in immunomodulating beta-glucans, compounds that can mount a robust defense against pathogens. Mushrooms are scientifically recognized for their ability to nourish the body, to soothe sleep, and to adaptogenically balance stress. And then there's the whole food antioxidants like acai, acerola, and goji. These antioxidants are also added to mycotan to help protect cells against oxidative damage caused by free radicals. Mycotan is certified organic, natural, and GMO-free. It's made with sustainably grown medicinal mushrooms. Easy to enjoy with your morning coffee, in your post-workout shake, or simply mixed with water. Try it, and daily enjoy the glow of Myco10's nourishing power. You'll find Myco10 at Goodness Me Natural Food Market and online as well at www.goodnessme.ca.